Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Why are young people leaving the church? Well, I don't know how to describe what somebody on the wonderful world of X decided to put out there because I, is it apologetics? Is it insanity? I, I just, I, I don't know. Also speaking of, I don't know. Apparently Bidenomics is just the American dream and um, the Gadsden flag rooted in racism. All of that and much more. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oney. And this is a WTF Wednesday edition of Critical Thinking. Oh boy, do we have a lot to get into on today's show. So <coughs> if I could get rid of the frog in my throat, um, we're going to skip the the niceties. Just let you know, again, you can find us on Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Find us wherever you like to download, rate, review the podcast of your choice. Make sure that you are subscribed, that you are downloading it so that you do not miss a single episode of this show. Thank you to each and every one of you who do tune in, who do watch the show. Um, <clears throat> over the coming weeks, we are going to experiment with uh, some different things, and I'm excited uh, to, to roll them out. Um, it's going to be fun because I think a few things are going to surprise some people. Right, Pat? Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, w I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's all we're going to say on that. Yeah. Um, it will be lit and live, but with that being said, we, I really struggle with what to do with a WTF Wednesday lately, Pat, because I feel like there's a lot of craziness in this world, but also I think it's important for us to, to talk about a worldview and, that's where we're going to focus the front half before we get into the insanity uh, going forward on Wednesdays. It, it's going to be Worldview Wednesday with a sprinkling of the WTF on the side. Um, so if you're tuning in for the insanity, you're going to have to go to the second half of the program. Um, but up front, um, I want to take this on, Pat, this concept of young people leaving the church, the church, more broadly, uh, you know, the Christendom, if you will, right? Okay, yeah. Now, can we stipulate that we are seeing a decline in the participation, uh, participation of young people in the church? I mean, y yes. See, I can't. Well, wait, wait, wait. Oh, say it one more time. Are you saying like people are leaving? Young people are leaving the church. Yes, is that, is that young people are leaving the church and they are not participating in the church? Correct. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that premise. Okay, I I can't yeah. stipulate that. So this this is going to be a fun discussion going forward, because I because I just watched 
millions of young Christians at World Youth Day in Portugal for the Catholic Church. Meet the Pope, attend daily Mass, daily adoration, communion, um, all of those things. Millions of people from the ages of 13 to about 25. Millions of them from around the world. Maybe that's a tenth of the Christian church, or or more importantly, it's probably close to, they, they estimated about 9 million, okay? 9 million people went to Portugal for World Youth Week. Okay, so... Let me let me just ask this to clarify too. When you say young people, how are you defining young people in this case? People over the age of people eighteen to twenty nine. Let's okay. let's use that. Okay. 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 Fair enough. I think that this was at one point in time true. I don't see that today. I'm actually seeing a return to the church today. Okay. You don't get 9 million people showing up for World Youth Day or World Youth Week. You don't get the uproar over how they treated the um, the holy hosts, right? And, and the belief in the Catholic Church, obviously, is different than a lot of other Christian belief systems in that how you treat that is you're treating the body of Christ, right? Uh-huh. That being said, you don't get that if there's not a powerful connection to the church, by young people. Where's the trad trend coming from? Young people. It's not coming from your 45 to 60 crowd. That's not happening. There's something and people yearning for some one or something to help fulfill life. And I see a lot of these people turning to Christ turning to the church, whether that is the church that is, you know, super produced or the Lutheran church or the Catholic church or whatever denomination you want to talk about or the Mormon church even. Mm. I think at one point in time, this stipulation I would have agreed with, but I can't given the evidence of what I've seen just this year alone. I see more young people getting involved in their churches. In fact, my Knights of Columbus Council is one of the younger ones in the entire Chicago area. We have five, six, seven, seven guys that are either just fresh out of college or under the age of 27 in our group of of active members that are probably in the 50s. Right in, in terms of numbers of active members, we're well into the hundreds of total members, but active participatory members on a monthly, weekly basis, that's a huge number. On a small scale, but a huge number. It, they make up a significant portion, and thus they have what? Influence, power, the ability to, to kind of steer the ship, if you will. So... I will stipulate that at one point in time, this information was true. But I do not believe it to be true today. Okay. Is that fair enough? No, no, that's fair. Okay. So, that being stipulated, this is where this comes from. So, we had um, had a internal discussion. But this comes from Twitter. The American church loses up to 75% of its kids. Why? And this is from Eric Kahn, at Eric underscore Kahn on X. He believes it's parasitic wokeness, revivalistic emotionalism, feminist theology, effeminate pastors, fatherless pews, secular pragmatic, uh, pragmatic, pragmatism, lack of discipleship, squishy sexual ethics, shallow music, pop entertainment worship. What say you on that? Honestly, I think a lot of that is at least true. Okay. Um, and and I I look at this, I think, a little bit differently than you do. And, and I understand where you're coming from. I think you were completely fair with what you were saying up front there. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but as I see things, especially within my own church, I see a lot of young people leaving for those reasons. Literally those reasons right there. Okay. Um, you know, when I, when I, when I talked, like there are young people that, you know, they, when they leave, like I've heard a lot of young people say like, well, specifically with the LDS church, well, the LDS church isn't accepting towards X, Y, and Z lifestyles, or Mm -hmm. they don't believe in this in terms of, Mm-hmm. politics and stuff like that they have these standards in terms of sex and we want these standards and um you know th- a lot of them do have non-fathers in the home mm-hmm. you know uh, or non-existent fathers in the home i'm trying to think what else was on there um you know a lot of it is woke ideology a lot of it is what they are learning um academically in schools and in how it's supposedly contradictory and a lot of it is contradictory let's be honest so so i want to i want to i want to call time out real quick okay because i don't want to go too far down that road with you yet pat because i think this is going to be an important part of this discussion going forward okay um i will stipulate that some of this i believe to actually be part and parcel of this but it is too broad okay it is the excuse, not the reason. And, and I'll get into okay. it. And more importantly, okay. I think what, what, what we have to do is, is, is understand some of the methodology and some of where this comes from. But um, what do young people tell us? And I think this is interesting. And this is going to speak to, as we go through this, or as we get to the end of this, I, I don't want commentary because we're going to rapid fire through these reasons and the data. And then we'll comment. Okay. Okay. But it's going to help at the end, get to my point and, and uh, I'll explain, but we had, um, I think his name is uh, Nathan Daniel Blake. And he said, well, actually it's not really true. Like though that that information, right? That di- that set of data, because Barna Group's top six reasons young people are leaving the church are overprotectiveness and defensiveness. Number two, uh-huh. shallow faith experiences. Number three, antagonism uh-huh. towards science and reason. Number four, simplistic views of sexuality. Number five, spiritual exclusivity. And number six, unfriendliness to doubters. And uh-huh. you might say, where, well, where did this come from, right? Because because we got to get to the data here, but before we get to the data, any generalized thoughts here, Pat? Uh, I mean, I I think a lot of these are true too, so I, I'm curious to see what the data would say, but I I do think a lot of those are true in terms of things that I've heard from people, um, because I think I think you're right. I think the other one was might be a little too broad, but I think if you dig a little bit deeper those those reasons start to you know that you just showed start to come up it's interesting so what i'm going to do here is i'm going to go through the data and then i'm also going to juxtapose it with what nathan daniel blake has decided to tell us in terms of what they mean okay Okay. so Hmm. first and foremost it's going to be this one churches are overprotective and defensive According to the data, 25% of 18 to 29-year-olds cited the demonizing of the world, ignoring real-world problems and obsession with culture. Hmm. So how do you combat it? He says that if you want to keep our young people rooted in the faith of their youth, we must embrace the quote-unquote other and trust the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and culture rather than shielding them from it. I think that's interesting, don't you? Um, what 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 say you about this? So again, Pat, we are looking at twenty five percent of eighteen to twenty nine year olds cited the demonizing of the world, ignoring real world problems and the obsession with culture. So I mean, I'm I'm the way I'm interpreting that is I'm assuming they are looking at this through the lens of how the church addresses issues like around 
LGBTQ type stuff, um, other cultural issues, BLM, things like that. I'm, I'm assuming that's what this is all about because, you know, you see a lot of younger people kind of uh, being more sympathetic to those kinds of groups, whereas the, you know, churches aren't necessarily the most friendly to those kinds of groups um, because it's contrary to a lot of what they teach gospel wise. So I, I, I could see that. So here's the thing that I find interesting. Mm. What I, what I'm initially seeing from this data is that people don't want a, a worldview that has guideposts. That's a good way of putting it, actually. 25% of them are saying, oh, God, no. I, I You know what I'm saying? Like, it, we, we can't have standards. We can't have... <clears throat> we, we, we have to live in a society in which... There's a difference, let's put it this way. There's a misconception here. That's where I'm going with this, I, I, I believe. Uh-huh. Now, let's move forward on the data points here. Uh, again, the next data point, experience of a shallow faith. 31% said church was boring, 25% said church wasn't relevant to real life, and 20% said God seemed to be missing from church. Hmm. Okay, let's take that on face value. Again, he continues saying that antagonism towards science and reason is number three. 35% said Christians are too confident they have an answer to everything. 29% say that they are out of step with scientific discovery, and 25% said that we are anti-science. Again, we're going to leave our commentary to the end here. Uh, Number four, experiences with sexuality are often simplistic and judgmental. A majority cited trying to wrestle with meaningful lives in terms of sex and sexuality. Nearly 20% said they feel judged for their sexual mistakes. 40% said teachings on sexuality are out of date. That, that's interesting. Uh, again, yeah. I have some commentary on that, but I'm going to save it. Then they also say that, number five, they wrestle with the exclusive nature of churches. 29% said church feels afraid of the beliefs of other faiths. Another 29% said that they felt forced to choose between faith and friendships. And 22% said that the church felt like an exclusive spirituality country club. And then number six on the list. Church feels unfriendly to the doubter. 36% cite not feeling like they can ask their most pressing questions in church. 23% said that they had significant intellectual doubts. And 18% said the church does not take emotional problems seriously enough. All right, so now that we've gone through the data, Pat, do you have some thoughts? Because I'm going to present to you something about the data in a second. But... Give me your thoughts as what as to what you saw from this survey. Well, I think the sexuality one is a big one um, because that that's a pretty common one that I see. Um, so I do think that, that is a big one. Um, shallow faith experiences. I I think this is one that I think does get overlooked quite a bit. Um, at, at least within churches, um, because I, I think I think no one really wants to look at are are we providing opportunity for those things to happen? Um, are we are we trying to provide meaning for those things to happen? Um, I, I do wonder about this one. I'm not saying they don't happen, by the way. I'm just saying this is the perception. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so so let me let me put it this way to you, Pat. Do you actually believe that that perception is reality? No, I don't. And and the reason why I don't believe it's reality is, I mean, coming from my own experience, being a convert to the LDS Church, mm-hmm. to have those spiritual experiences. It's one of those things that you have to seek out. No one else can do it for you. 
they can give you standards and guideposts and things like that, but you have to put in the effort to receive those experiences. It's not just Correct. bam, one day it just happened. Correct. You know? And, and, and I've shared how, you know, in, in my faith journey within the Catholic church, mm. The concepts of reason, the concepts of critical thinking, people just assume that that doesn't exist and you just follow, follow, follow. No, 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 no. The, the, the point of building block foundational CCD, right, is that mm-hmm. you build the blocks of what Catholics believe, right, over time, and then as you get into the point of confirmation, as you start getting there, it is all about critical thinking, all about asking yourself, do you believe in the tenets of the faith? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in asking yourself those questions? And Furthermore, more importantly, Pat, I think the mm. other part of this is that that breeds what? Critical thinking, right? Mm. You, there are. I'm not naive. Are there people who get confirmed in the Catholic faith who are doing it because mom and dad or because of some other reason? Absolutely. But that happens in every tradition Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world that that can happen. But the vast majority, the vast majority who do is a genuine faith experience, a genuine belief in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a genuine belief in the tenets of the faith. Because you go through so much to get there. You, you are attending weekly meetings, right? You are um, doing homework, right? You're doing charitable works. You are going on retreats. You are doing all of these things that, that force you into, do I really want to do this, right? Is this something I, that's really for me? And at the end of the day, those who don't have it end up dropping off. Those that don't have it end up not taking it seriously and are right. found out. So I want to address that part of it. And, and I, I think furthermore, it, it's a, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. It, it, it's, it's, do you, are you able to critically think through it enough? And are you willing to accept the possibility that churches, or say the gospel, or even God for that matter, um, provide a higher power than your own worldview. And if you are willing to accept like, hey, like God's way is beyond my understanding, I need to seek that understanding, but I also need to have the faith to accept what he's trying to teach me to move forward. it's It's not that, oh, well, this is contrary to what I personally believe, Sometimes I, I've learned this. Sometimes what you initially believe isn't necessarily rooted in God. It has to be challenged, right? And so that's one of the. It's it's a hard pill to swallow. I've mm-hmm. been through it. My wife's been. I mean, everyone I've know has gone through something somewhere along the lines, right? We call those faith building experiences, and then you know you get through the you know, the rewards. I I promise you are are infinitely more than what you could could imagine but that's that's what you know i was saying like when you seek to to have those spiritual experiences that's what you go the road you go down sometimes you have to put your own views aside yeah so i i I will agree with that and i will Mm. say this pat what was the common theme of the 25 percent or the you know blah 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 what what was really the common theme of the data that, that you noticed if you it, notice it all the common theme. to be about me, 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 me. Bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. And what is faith? A belief in something other than yourself. Right. And a giving up of yourself, sacrificing yourself to the to the higher power of Jesus Christ and God, right? And having faith in something that is bigger than you. Mm. And and that it is not about you. It never has been and it never will be about you. And it's why I rail on a basic level, why I, why I rail against the vast majority of, of the church of me. Like one of the things that bothers me the most, Pat, and I don't know if this bothers you as you see it. I am all about people baptized into the Christian faith and baptizing themselves into the faith and, 
and sh- and showing that they are willing to sacrifice because that's really what baptism is about, right? Baptism is about uh, dipping yourself into this into the waters, and and baptism for the forgiveness of sins in the Catholic Church, right? For for us, that might be different for different faiths or different uh, sects of Christianity, whatever. But what really bothers me is watching these people uh, fill up an inflatable. Uh, bathtub or inflatable pool, pour some water in it, and grown adults who have, quote-unquote, been at this church for 5, 10, 15 years, having been baptized into the Lord, baptizing themselves every Sunday. What the hell are you doing? It is one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. It is not... Uh You don't baptize yourself every week. That's not how this works, as if you just get to wipe yourself clean. That, that's not what this is about. That's not what baptism is. It, it, I, I don't get it. What are you doing? Oh, I recommitted my... No, that's no. not a recommittal to the Lord. That's nothing. That's generally what your sacrament meetings are for anyway. Exactly. Yeah, and, so, and, yeah. And not only that, but uh, there's this group here in this, um, if I could find it again, but there was a group of answers or a group of people who answered that they believed that they couldn't um, talk talk about their sins, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in my faith tradition, Pat, it, it, that's literally confession. You go to confession to confess the things that you have sinned that week, that month, whatever it might be, for the for the penance and the forgiveness. And by the way, yes, there's supposed to be fear. Read the Old Testament. Fear and joy, right? Fear and hope. Those are the two. If, if you want to just boil it down for me to the most basic things, if I, if I had to tell somebody what the Old Testament was about, is about fearing the Lord, your God, right? And living in a way in which you can please the Lord, your God. And then the second half, right, of the Bible is about the joy and the hope of the resurrection of Christ. And that we have joy in that God fulfilled the scripture so that we may be forgiven of sin. Instead of us having to sacrifice literally sacrifice for our sin, there was the ultimate sacrifice paid of his only begotten son so that Mm -hmm. our sins can be forgiven. But that doesn't mean that they're forgiven just because. They are forgiven to those who truly want that forgiveness, truly work for that forgiveness. That's the message and the hope, fear and hope. Now, what if I told you this, though? Because I told you I had something about this data point that might change your mind. All the way back to the very beginning of this about 30-minute discussion here. Okay. What if I told you that all of these data points were from 2017? Ooh. Let me ask you this question. Do you think the world was different in 2017 than it is in 2023, five years later, six years later? I I think a lot of the things that we talk about today, especially when it comes to cultural issues, are certainly more intensified than they were in 2017. But have they significantly changed from 2017 to now? Um, I I don't think so. I think they've just maybe gotten intensified, but that's about it. I think we live in a vastly different world. 2017 to today in 2017 was anybody talking about trans or pronouns or uh, on a cultural I mean, level some people might have yeah, was not the say, vast majority yes that's all, that's what that's what i mean by intensified is yes we were talking about those things but were we doing it to the extent of what we are today no i don't think uh, on a basic cultural level uh, these were not discussions at all one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really really want it all to work out while you're away. monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Nobody was sitting there talking about did you see this BS about trans this and trans that? Did you see no, you didn't see it. Um, I mean, I guess being in the tech world, I I had a different view, but right. But that's a very very narrow part of our society. I am mm. talking culturally, writ large. These were not things that were going on. You might have had the Colin Kaepernick in, in the aftermath of all of that, right? The BLM beginning yeah. of BLM, if you were paying attention to it, type of a situation, right? By and large, our society is not where it is. Six years, this is a vastly different society that we are living in. And here's why I think that the, that that 2017 information needs to be updated. Because I fervently believe that young people, the people that are now, because we're talking about basically an entire second half of the generation coming up. What do I know about this generation right now? They're actually in church more. How do I know it? I've been to multiple, um, they call it theology on tap or views on the veranda where I go to church. Other churches within the Catholic diocese here in, or archdiocese, excuse me, here in Chicago, um, they do theology on tap. They do whatever, right? And it's a summer series in which everybody gathers. You hear speakers and this and that, and we've talked about it on the program before. We as the Knights of Columbus decided that we were going to help, we we were going to grill and uh, provide, you know, the food for this one. Um, and it was a pro-life one, by the way, Pat. It was a, a talk about being pro-life from a perspective of, of, of the women in the church, okay? Mm-hmm. There was a, youth, a younger nun in the, in the discussion. There were people inside the archdiocese and da-da-da-da-da. We planned for probably about 100 or so people, right? They didn't have enough chairs. It was literally so packed on that veranda that you couldn't see across the street. Like, if you looked, you could not see it because there was a wall of people, two, three deep, standing room only. Myself and a few others of the Knights of Columbus might have been the oldest people there. This was a youth-led movement. In fact, one of our strongest groups in our own church is our young adult ministry. It is one of the most widely attended things that happen in our church. And yes, some of the things that people talk about in these surveys are absolutely concerns. They absolutely are concerns that some people may have. But I fervently believe this that the there are large swaths of people who have grown up in this trans everything, um, woke culture being shoved down your throat in school that are rebelling against it, that are literally... So that, that 18 to 29-year-old crowd today versus six years ago, that 18-year-old six years ago is now, what, 25 do you think their life is different? Do they think their views would be different? For, furthermore, that 25-year-old so. is now 31 years old. What are they? Probably married, probably have kids, more than most likely the majority of them do. Okay? That changes your perspective, doesn't it? I, I would certainly hope so. And f- and more importantly, I'm seeing that group being the most engaged group in our faith. 
I'm seeing that group being the one leading, not falling behind. I'm seeing them being the ones that are occupying the pews, going to synagogue, going to temple, right? Is it true that the faith looks older? Absolutely it does. But there's a vast dichotomy. It's the group that's in the middle that's the problem. They're the ones that have are struggling with attendance, struggling with participation, struggling with whatever. My point of World Youth Day, bringing that up, or World Youth Week, bringing that up. That is the young generation. And it has only grown by leaps and bounds every single year. And it's more intensified in its look at the church and look at the faith in if you look at the absolute outrage over what was going on with the storing of the Eucharist and all of those things. All of it to say what might have been true six years ago, I don't believe to be true today because I see it, because I've experienced it. And what the survey from six years ago tells me is that the youth in a significant portion were disengaged from the church or their church or their synagogue or their, well, I shouldn't say synagogue because this was Christians, but uh, their temple, their whatever, right? Do I see that today? No, I see them being the most engaged. And maybe that's a minority still, but I will take an engaged minority over a disengaged majority every day of the week. Because that's how you change. Because that is how you reinvigorate, right? Again, we go back to our founding. Was it the vast majority of No, the vast majority of people wanted, yes, they probably didn't like what was going on with Great Britain, but they were not willing to take up arms, were they? Mm. Maybe 20% were Tory, right? Maybe 31 to 27% or so were of full-on revolution, the rest were where, right? It's the engagement that matters. And furthermore, to your point, Pat, what I don't understand is this movement within, uh, within Christianity that we are not to be the, we have to be the movable instead of the immovable object. Do you believe that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments and we shall follow those Ten Commandments? Of course. Okay. That's an immovable object. Right. Those things are set in stone, literally. (laughs) Literally we're set in stone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's God's word. Those are the commandments of God to all of us, whether you are a Jew or a Christian. And by and large, by the way, the Muslim faith also follows most of those Ten Commandments, right? Yes. Hmm. Strange. I What I struggle with here the most, Pat, is this notion that we have to Get with the times. I've heard this basically my entire adult life in the church. We got to get with the times. We got we got to be the the happy Christian. We we gotta we gotta go elevation church, if you will, right? Because that's the only way the youth will engage with you. No, it's not. What they are seeking out is community, right? By and large. So build that community within the church. Show them that they're not alone. But do it within the faith, the bounds of the faith, the bounds of the rules of the road, if you will. That that there's nothing wrong with saying we have guidelines and guideposts and things of that nature. Now, does that mean you ignore science and ignore reason and all those things? No. No, it doesn't. In fact, most of yes, there's history of the Christian church persecuting those be, uh, who did some of these things, right? And you know, look at Galileo and some of the, the other individuals that are out there in, in the Middle Ages, but as we learn more scientifically, we end up learning more about our faith. That's the irony of this, right? As we dig up the past, right, scientifically, we find out most of what was written in the Bible 
is scientifically historically proven. Like literally things from the New Testament pop up all the time in what? Archaeological digs. Holy bleep. How is that possible? What it means is that your your faith is more engaged and more real. So what I see from this is people influenced by a culture that is antagonistic to Let's put it this way. They want collectivist individualism. Say what? They want to tell you that you ha- that you should be an individual, but only an individual that conforms to cultural norms within what is being taught to you at school, what is being taught to you in other things. Church is saying, we've got 10, ten commandments. We also have our own beliefs and tenets, right? We're we're not interested in you. We're interested in God. We are interested in what God and his son, Jesus Christ, have told us. How to walk in a way of life. They don't like that. But that's not true of the younger subset six years on from this for me. That is not true. Why? Because what are they? This group is some of the most charitable people too, by the way. These are some of the people who are most engaged in charitable works on behalf of Christianity or on behalf of themselves. In fact, they would rather give money to charity than go out to eat. Literally living the Christian life. It's not just about tithing. It's about charity and, and construction of your community. Built off of what? Faith. And when you look at what they're willing to give to the most, one of the least, by the way, according to the Barna Group, which did this survey back in 2017, a brand new survey, what is the least likely for them to give? There was a group of 20 of them, Pat, 20 different things that they would say that they would give to or have given to. The bottom of the barrel are LGBTQ+. Um, aid groups, the bottom of the barrel, the top of it, human trafficking, uh, battered women and, uh, sexual abuse. Uh, that's pretty Christian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, it just blows my mind. All right. With all of that having been said, Pat, I think we're going to skip the B or not the B today. Because we've got to get in to WTF Wednesday. Are you ready for that? Oh, I'm very ready for that. All righty. So, Pat, do we want to start with um, Ron DeSantis, COVID, Bidenomics, or school? Um, let's go, let's go school. If we're going to do that, then, uh, I want to preface it with this. Everything is racist. Everything is racist today. Thank you. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? That's a historically linked flag. So they're, um, the reason that they do not want the flag, the reason you do not want Which is the Gadsden flag? Okay. Um, okay. So he he um, he. What's going to happen if he doesn't take it off? He. I mean, he is able to go. I was actually just telling him, like, I was that upset that he's missing so much school. I'm like, ah. So I asked him, can he just take his stuff out of his bag and go back to class? <laughs> like, I just want him to go back to class. The bag can't go back because it's got a patch on it. Because you can't have that 
feeling around other kids. So that's what I was trying to introduce the idea for. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it has nothing to do with slavery. That's like the Revolutionary War patch that was okay. displayed when they were fighting the British. Like that wasn't, that's the revolution. Maybe you're thinking of like the, um, the Confederate flag? Okay, I, so, I am just here to enforce, no, I am here to enforce the policy that was provided by the district, and definitely you have every right to. I just can't even more. Uh, I just, uh, now this 12-year-old, by the way, stood Mm. up for himself and was like, what are you talking about? Like he literally piped up himself instead of mom and dad. This is a this is a young man, and I use the term young man very literally because that's a that's a man move. Yeah, no, no, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. And then more importantly, the parents, right? It's very clear that this this individual and where did he get this idea from? The Tuttle Twin books, by the way. Yes. And then it turns out that the, uh-oh, as soon as the school district got caught with its pants down, they, they did what, Pat? Um, they, they allowed him back to school. Yeah, they allowed him back to school because it turns out that uh, they really don't have a policy about the Gadsden flag. And, uh, uh-oh, no. the Gadsden flag literally has no representation or any representation at all in history or reality. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when he went back to school, no one said a damn thing about the patch. Yeah, nobody, nobody was saying it. it. This was a this was a woke leftist teacher, I guarantee you. Who? Oh my gosh! It, but you got the Pride Progress flag up in your uh, in your classroom, right? I guarantee you that those two things are true. All right. Uh, well, so, this, by the way, that was also after two law firms stepped in uh, uh, to uh, help, you know, fight for their point right, of view. Because, and, um, yeah. Because the, the the school policy has nothing to say about that. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You, there's no no proof that that isn't tied to tied into slavery in any way, shape, or form. Because it didn't appear until what about the 1750s, 1760s? I want to say, and it was Somewhere all there. guarded guided toward a message towards whom King George the Third. Correct. A bunch of dinks. Okay. So with that having been said, I think we, we need to move on to COVID or Bidenomics. Which one? Um, let's go with COVID first. I think the message from is get the shot if you want. I if will. If you want it, don't, go ahead. Don't get it. Where you going to get, get another one? I just said I'm not going to ask anybody if they're it? getting their shot. Get, I won't wear a mask, but I'm going to get the shot. You are? How, what number shot is this for you? I've had it every t- So I'm, I'm <laughs> one in October. I had one in April. How many? In What's the total? So this yeah. will be my seventh. <laughs> seven oh. shot. And I've had COVID three times. Coming up. <laughs> oh, boy. Tell me you're a moron while telling me you're a moron. By the way, he deserved to be laughed at there. Absolutely deserved to be laughed at. That's the right thing to do, by the way. You might say, because well, had, it's not. Go ahead. He had COVID three times. Yeah, yeah. This and We watched Kareem Jean-Pierre get up in front of um, uh, the podium yesterday and tell us what? That the shot is the most effective uh, and best way to protect yourself, to stop transmission, and uh, avoid dying. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Pat, do you know what the percentage of people that are over the age of 65 that have died from COVID to date? Um, it's not, I don't know the specific number. No, it's less than a half a percent. Do you know the, um, overall population is 0.03? What are we doing? What are we doing? What the hell are we doing? But do not worry. Do not worry. Lest you lest you have any worries that Donald Trump is your lord and savior politically. Um, he did nothing wrong when it comes to COVID. This country was coming together. Then we got hit with COVID. We did a great job with COVID. It has never been acknowledged, but it will be in history. 
We did a great job with the ventilators and all the things we did. Because nobody knew what it was. Nobody had any clue as to what mm-hmm. it was. And we did a great job. Like, um, the, uh, like the meme? A uh, bullshit? A uh, bullshit? A uh, bullshit? Okay. I actually said this on X last night. If he actually did a great job with COVID, he would likely still be the president today. Secondly, if you think that he did a great job with COVID and a great job with the ventilators, as he said, then, um, again, we have that beachfront property in North Dakota that we can sell you. In fact, we also have some ventilators that we could sell you. (laughs) They did such a good job that they produced, like, literally hundreds of thousands of ventilators in excess of what they needed. when We're shipping them around the world until, oh, bleep, the rest of the world didn't need them either. Oversupply is a good thing? Mm-hmm. No, not. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Why? Because ventilators also have a what, Pat? Shelf life. Yeah. A yep. bullshit? A yep. bullshit? And, mm-hmm. and can I also call bullshit? I don't know if you saw the rest of the interview between Glenn Beck and, and Donald Trump. I, I didn't watch the whole thing, no. I, I saw What the hell was that, Glenn Beck? There was never a pushback. Never a single pushback on anything. This is different than having a conversation. This is an interview. And when somebody says what he said about COVID and how he did such a great job, bullshit, I am pushing back. That is a terrible interview. He never pushed back once. Not once. Not, hang on a second. Are you suggesting that you did things right when it comes to COVID? Are you suggesting that the the tanking us right into a recession was good? Uh, the trillions of dollars spent was good? Literally making sure and ensuring that you couldn't be reelected was a good idea? Oh, what are you talking about? The CARES Act? Oh. Uh-oh. Right. I mean, yeah. It, it, look, we're not saying that he had to have been perfect in COVID, but to say that he handled it correctly and to, to, to keep continuing down his narrative, no. You, you gotta, you, he's got to admit he screwed up somewhere because everybody did. Speaking of Nobody screw-ups, got it right. I, I, huh? I got this for you. Ron DeSantis Super PAC, sitting on $110 million, has just said that they are doing a $12 million ad placement right now to support Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis is a great governor. Why is he trying to ruin his political career right now? Spend that money to help us win in the general. Why are you buying ads to make consultants rich in Iowa? Just say, look, I'm going to go be governor of Florida and turn Florida into the most Republican state. I'm going to deploy my $100 million to help us defeat Joe Biden. He would be hero status in the Republican Party, win or lose. He would look magnanimous. He would look- so, uh, go ahead, Pat. Cause I, what- I, I, I generally, for the most part, respect Charlie Kirk. But uh, for this, I have to be like... Um, Whoa, 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 Pat. Uh, because, no. Um, first of all, he's he's done everything that you just said in Florida. And yeah. I actually want to win the election. I don't see a path to victory to giving all that money to Donald Trump. It's, it's, it's basically flushing all that money down the drain because a lot of that's going to go to his legal crap anyway. Right. And, yeah, just no. No, in, in no what world, in what world, in what polling world, what reality world do you believe that the the answer is Ron DeSantis give up? Ron DeSantis's argument is I'm the only candidate with a shot to beat with a modicum of a chance to beat Joe Biden in the general election. So. Let me turn this around on Charlie Kirk. Why doesn't Donald Trump drop out of the race and his super PACs uh, donate the hundreds of mi- Oh! Oh, yeah. That's right. They, they need that money to uh, support his legal defenses. Right. So how about this? Why, don't, why doesn't Donald Trump drop do the right thing, drop out of the race, defend himself in court, right, and allow the other hundreds of millions of money sitting on the sideline to go to winning the general election. Because if you want to talk about that being the the point of the primary here, 
That is the worst argument you can make for Donald Trump. I mean, do you want to win? Charlie do, Kirk, you do, do, do you want, you want to win? win? The, the worst argument, the worst of all the arguments that you could possibly make in defense and in support of Donald Trump is he can win in the general. It is the least likely of all the scenarios out there that that happens. He is the least likable of all Republican candidates. He has the most negatives when it comes to whom? Independence and, by the way, people in his own party. How do you win? You just watched him get the most votes of any president in history, and yes, we all know that the game was rigged thanks to the CARES Act that Donald Trump decided to support and sign into law. That didn't have a veto-proof majority, by the way. That's important. But that, I just, what, what the hell are you talking about? He is becoming, this is the right's version of Trump derangement syndrome. That, that's what this is. And it's not about, well, oh, Ron DeSantis. No, no, no. It's literally Trump derangement syndrome thinking that Donald Trump is your savior. Just just what? Um, But they're competing against this, Pat. The way I look at it, and Bidenomics is just another way of saying restoring the American dream. I believe every American willing to work hard should be able to get a job no matter where they live raise their kids on a good paycheck, take care of their health care for their families. So socialism. Anybody who should want a job should have a job and should have money, should have this, should, 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 should. So socialism. And more importantly, Bidenomics is just another way of the American dream. Why not say that? What the hell? <laughs> That's what you're up against. And, and, and and the guy who, um, Pat, have you have you seen Donald Trump's schedule today? Um, yeah, there's like nothing on it except for I, golf. I think I know why though. Why? He's probably got meetings with his lawyers all day. Oh, right. And, so he and... can't really campaign to beat. So it's just a personal vendetta, vengeance redemption, whatever adjective you want to use, campaign. That dog ain't going to hunt in a general election. That dog only hunts with MAGA forever. Cult. By the way, did you see Ron DeSantis' schedule before noon? Well, yeah, it's full of full of things to help the state. And by the way, Dinesh D'Souza and others, oh, he's suspending his campaign. No, he's not suspending his campaign. No, he's not. He's doing his job as governor in a massive tragic situation. By the way, two of them, we're talking about the shooting that happened in Jacksonville by that racist dumbass, which uh, MSNBC has told us also in one of the worst takes I have ever seen that calling the individual a racist uh, scumbag is not good enough because it's all about white people being bad. That's uh, neither here nor there, Pat. Let's put a bow on today's show. Your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And I don't think the American dream is what Joe Biden thinks the American dream is. And with that, folks, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.